Good evening. Uh, good morning. I better get it right. It's evening for me, and you'll see this message hopefully tomorrow morning. But I hope that all of you have done well this past week, and that Jesus Christ has been a blessing in your life. Isn't it amazing for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ to recognize we were being kept even when we didn't know the Lord personally, but the Lord knew us. And I believe the same thing is still taking place today. That many unbelievers, as we ourselves once were, are being kept by God and giving that opportunity over and over and over again to receive him as Lord and Savior. And you may be one who is listening today who may not have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and you may be on the fence and you may be struggling with it. I hope today's message kind of helps you out. I, I hope somehow the Holy Spirit will grab hold of your heart and your mind and, and, and reason with you. Uh, the Lord said, though your sins may be a scarlet, Come and let's talk and let's reason together. God wants to talk to all of us, not just to the believer, but also to the unbeliever. Even though he starts with the unbeliever, with what he needs the most, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other discussion that God really desires to have with the unbeliever than that of his son, and what his son has done for them, just like he did in my life. There are many things, even before I knew the Lord, I would pray and I would talk to him about, but uh, it wasn't going anywhere until I met the Lord Jesus Christ. It made a difference of how I talked to the Lord, talked with the Lord, and how God answered those prayers that went up. And I believe it's happening even today with a lot of individuals who are not saved. At times in their life they talk with the Lord, but it's not going nowhere because the main conversation has not been shared yet. And that is what we believe about Jesus Christ. God wants to talk to all of us about that. And I hope today's message, again, will somehow speak to you, but speak to all of us. So let's pray, and we're going to get started. And I hope that you've had a blessed, blessed week. I just come from a granddaughter, a two-year-old, great-granddaughter's birthday. Then went over and had a birthday with a friend from Columbia, and uh, he is 74 today and celebrated his birthday with him and now at home here and uh, getting ready to start this message. And I pray that it would be a blessed, blessed time with you and that this message will bless you. So let's pray and we're going to get going. Father, <clears throat> we thank you and praise you that you're the one who orders our steps and you're the one that wants to speak to us whether saved or unsaved. I pray, Father, that we all would desire to speak to you. 
whether believer or unbeliever, that we would find ourselves communicating with you. And Lord, help us to understand what your word is going to say to us. <clears throat> I know your word says that the unbeliever cannot understand your word without your Holy Spirit. But it is only the Holy Spirit who can convict the unsaved of their need for Jesus Christ. Would you do so at this time, doing this message? And would you bring them to a place to have some understanding of what we're going to talk about? And would you, O oh God, speak to both of us, Lord, that the believer and the unbeliever may be blessed by what is said. For one, it will continue his growth. Maybe for the other, it would be the starting point because their eyes have been opened. So I pray, Lord, that you would minister. We know not where these messages go, but you know, and you know who will watch, who will hear. And I pray, Father, it would not be the voice of Gus Brown, but the voice of the living God <coughs> speaking to people. Captivate them, Lord. Draw them to yourself. And show them our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For no man can cometh unto the Lord Jesus Christ unless he is drawn by the Father. <coughs> and no man can come to the Father unless he comes through Jesus Christ. Minister to us, Lord, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me for a moment. Let me take a sip. <coughs> Um, my dear brother Melvin he takes a sip of something a little bit stronger than this I got water and he drinks that uh, Starbucks and uh, that gets him a going so I'm hoping my water gets me going and lubricates and do everything it has to do <clears throat> but I'm going to be speaking today about the second death but in order to get to the second death, we got to understand when does the first death take place. And uh, let me share something with you, and some may recognize it, some may not. Everybody is going to die twice or experience death twice. But only the Christian experiences a second birth. The non-believer does not experience a second birth. But they experience a second death later on. And the Christian experienced the second death early on. And uh, I hope we can clarify that as we look into scripture. <coughs> because I think it brings understanding to us when we can understand this word. And I know there are sometimes different interpretations and different views of the word, and that's okay. Because it's demonstrating man is searching. Man is searching. But there also becomes that common ground of things that we've accepted and we believe and we hold to together. And yes, there are those things that we may disagree on and that's okay why it's, it sends us back to the book 
it sends us back to the book. And we want to keep coming back to this for the truth. If anybody's going to speak to you about Christianity, allow it to come from here. And as you get into this, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And he'll guide you through it. And that is not to say sometimes you may not have wrong thoughts about it. You may uh, accept this part and that part. But understand this. God is going to speak to you. And that's what is important for you to catch. Is that God is going to speak to you. And I hope that you have an ear to hear him. And want to hear him. That's the big thing. Do you want to hear him? So we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 20. And uh, I'm going to take care of this phone right now because I kind of forgot it. And I should have taken care of it a little earlier. But I didn't do that. So I'm hoping I can smother that sound out if it rings and hope that my wife can catch it. Boy. <coughs> but in... Revelation chapter 20, we're going to be reading from verse 11 through 15. Uh, and the thing that we want to capture is this thing called the second death. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. No place to hide. For the unbeliever, there was no place to hide. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now, catch this here. The books were open. The books were open. There were a number of books that were open at this time. But he says that he saw the dead, great and small, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Then it says another book was open, which is the book of life. Now, there is one book among, the, among these books that is called the book of life. Now, it's very important to pick up this. In one, it says books, plural. When it says another book, it's singular. So the unbelievers are going to be in those books. And the believer is in the book of life. And he goes on then and he says, the dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. Now that may be both books or it may be the first set of books that we're talked about. And let me expound on that a little bit if I may. For some people they see this as the general resurrection <clears throat> where everybody is raised for judgment. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, it speaks about 
the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where Christians are going to be judged. This is called the white throne judgment when you look back up in verse 11. Could it be that you have the judgment seat of Christ followed by the white throne judgment? I know in theory, in some of the views of the theory, the white, the judgment seat of Christ is taking place during the time of tribulation. There are those who would then argue if the judgment of the Christians are taking place during the tribulation <clears throat> and this is only the judgment of the unbeliever then when is the judgment for those Christians that were saved during the tribulation that's a good question that has to be answered and I don't really have the answer for it. Other than that, it says that in the last days that we would be judged. And uh, and it says that everybody in John, he speaks about everybody being judged. Now, <clears throat> everybody is going to be judged. Whether it was in Old Testament time, whether it's in the time of New Testament, whether it's in time of tribulation, everybody will be judged. What I think sometimes we miss, we try to be so accurate on pinpointing times of when things are going to happen that we forget the main issue is what's happening. And the main issue here is that everybody will be judged. Everybody. Christian and unbeliever. Those are the only two groups that are going to be judged. And he says, the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he has done. Each person is judged according to what he has done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now catch what follows. The lake of fire is the second death. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And <clears throat> we need to recognize that there is this time in which that second death is going to take place. And in that, we understand that it's going to be that which is going to take place and everybody will be judged now if you go to John chapter 5 and verse 28 he says do not be amazed at this for a time is coming a time is coming when all who are in their grave will hear his voice and come out 
Those who have done good will rise to life, will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. But he says, everyone, everyone will come out of that grave. Everyone, everybody will come out. And somehow be united with that soul once again. Now, we have to really ask some questions here. And I want you to just kind of stay with me with it. Again, you will hear some say this is a general resurrection of everyone. I'm not here to argue that issue. What we do know is that every living soul will be judged. Whether at the judgment seat of Christ or the white throne judgment. Because both of these are going to take place. And these are really the only two judgments that are mentioned. The time in which they take place is what we don't really have a perfect verse to really pinpoint exact time <clears throat> but we know both of them will take place and everybody who ever lived will be judged everybody now what we need to really come to point is what the scripture tell us how do we see this and it's important that we're able to understand what is Scripture telling us about this second death. And I want you to understand something. If there is a second death, there has to be a what? A first death. As a believer, you are judged for what you have done. Now, as an unbeliever, you're going to be judged for what you have done. And it says that in the scripture. That each person was judged according to what he has done. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what the person has done. And people conclude very quickly, well, he's talking about my sins. No, He's only talking about one sin, not many sins, one sin, that which you have done. And we can really boil it down to this. What have you done with Jesus Christ? You catch me? What have you done with Jesus Christ? What have you done with your ability to believe in Jesus Christ have you chosen to believe or have you chosen to reject that's what you're going to be judged on did you accept what God provided on your behalf or did you reject it and see each one of us have to make that decision now <clears throat> If I choose to accept Jesus Christ, 
I've been born twice. I've been born of my mother or my earthly parents. And then I've been born from above. In John 3, he tells me. Now, if you've been born from above, then you have had that second birth. If you have not been born from above, you have not experienced the second birth. But you will experience the second death. But we have to talk about what is the first death. And we have to understand that. Now, what we've done in the body is what is important. Why? Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5.10. I think you'll find the same thing that is being said in the sense that is being said here in Revelation. And uh, we want to be able to see that. And he says in 5.10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Believers. The believer is the only one who will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what he what is due him for the things done. Now, now catch this, important word. While in the body. While in the body. You're going to be judged for the things that you've done while in the body. Now, understand this. The Christian, he already has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not an issue whether if he is believing or not. The issue is, what is he doing to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? What is he doing to help build the kingdom of God? What is he doing in the area of witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ? How is he living his life or her life? Those are the things in which the Christian is going to be judged on after receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> For those who have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, those things don't matter yet. Because all they're going to be judged on, did they receive the Lord Jesus Christ? What the Christian is going to be judged on is everything that he's done after he received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is an important part here. Because, see, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the scripture says you died to yourself. Paul says it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And then he uses the baptism in Romans 6 as a demonstration of dying to self, of being buried with Christ and coming forth in a new life. Experiencing a second death while you are yet living. Not after you have died, but you experience a second birth. And in order to experience that second birth, you have to experience the second death while you're living. Now, we still got to get to that first death. Now, I want you to stay in there with me. And I hope that you do. <clears throat> and he says that is what you've done in the body. As unbelievers, what was done in the body is the area of just rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't deal with anything else. God is not going to deal with how much you drank, how many times you've been drunk, how many times you've gotten high, 
He's not going to deal with how many affairs that you've had. Uh, he's not going to uh, deal with the sexual issue. He's not going to deal with all that. He's going to deal with one thing. Your rejection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ died for all those things I just mentioned. That God might forgive you for all those things I just mentioned. And that you then would live for Christ. And that's what you're going to be judged on. The believer is judged on that because he's accepted Christ. Now it's what he's done in the body. The unbeliever is not judged on those things because the first thing that he's going to be judged on and the only thing he's going to be judged on is why he didn't receive the Lord Jesus Christ and it's called the sin of unbelief. Now, <clears throat> once you go to Acts chapter 4 with me and let's just look at a couple of verses that I think that helps back this a little bit <clears throat> because we need to understand that in 4.12, in Acts 4.12, God says something to us that I don't think today many people really take much credence in or value it very much, but it's a very important verse that we need to really catch hold of and really wrestle and wrestle with. So in Acts chapter 4, in verse 12, he said, Salvation is found in no one else. Now, that's very clear. Salvation or deliverance from sin is not found in any one else. Salvation is not found in anyone else. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other. Now, now, now catch this. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name. Only one name. Jesus. One name. Jesus. Is given under heaven for men and women and children to be saved. For all to be saved. Only just that one name that is given. And God meant just that one name. Satan confuses it with many other names. Many other ways of being saved. And scripture says there's only one way of being saved. And that's through this name that has been given to us. The name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, go with me to John 14.4. <clears throat> Over John 14.4. And he says, Boy, You know the way to the place where I am going. You know the way. And Thomas said to him, Lord, in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Now, 
listen to how Jesus answered him. In verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way. How many of you are out there looking for a way to heaven, but you're bypassing Jesus Christ? You're trying some other highway, you're trying some other road, you're, you're trying to get there some other way other than that name that has been given under heaven and earth, whereby you must be saved. And Jesus says here in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth. In other words, there's no lie here in this Bible. There's no lie in Jesus Christ. He's speaking truth to us. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now it's important to catch on to that. And the life. Jesus says, I am life. If you're in Jesus, you have life. I want you to hold on to that. Life. Because it's going to be so important as we look at the first death that Jesus is saying, I am life to those who believe in me. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. No one. Hear that. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way. I don't care what man may say. There is no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, and no one can come to the Father but through me. And I am life. I am truth. And I am the way. Now, it's so important. Again, I want you to hold on to that word life. Because Jesus says, I am life for you. And that's important to grab hold of. That he really is life for each one of us. Now, in John 3, and verse 18, just a couple of pages over in most Bibles, you'll hit John chapter 3. <coughs> you want to go to verse 18. He says, again here, he, he makes this statement. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. If you are not condemned, could it be possible that he is speaking that you are already in a state of condemnation? You are already in a state of have, in a sense, been judged. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that a statement where men have been judged? All have sinned? And here in 18, he's saying, boy, whoever believes in him, I don't care if you're white, black, yellow, Asian, African, Arab, Muslim, Jew, Buddhist, even a Muslim. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be condemned. But he goes on, he says, but whoever does not believe, now, 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 now catch this, because it has something to do with that first death. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. He's already condemned. He's already separated from God. He's already dead in God's sight. Now, I want you to understand something. Satan has the, has power. He doesn't have all power. And we're going to see that in a moment. That Satan is powerful, but he has limited power. There's only one who can give life, and that's God. And Job says it corrected, that God giveth and God taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan can't take life. He can make life miserable. He can make life, oh boy, so unbearable. And he is a thief. And what does he come to steal and to rob and to kill? He comes to steal from you that spiritual life that God wants for you. And what does he want to do? He wants to kill that spiritual life. He cannot kill the physical. But he can kill that spiritual. He can destroy that spiritual if you are lying. But he cannot take your life. God gives. God takes it. Now, he goes on again, he says, in that verse 18. I just want to clarify here again. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed. He has not believed. You've chosen not to believe in the name of God, one and only Son. One and only Son, Jesus Christ. No other. For there is no other name given under heaven and earth, whereby men must be saved. Now, everyone is going to be judged on how they lived. The one is going to be how you live rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. How you live going against everything that Jesus Christ stood for. You're going to be judged on that. On your unbelief in the person of Jesus Christ. And the believer is going to be judged how he lived and the things he has done in the body while he's in it. How did he glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, life is not always fair. There are some rough areas in life for all of us. But that is not an excuse for us to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Our bitterness towards others, our hatred towards others, and what may have happened to us in life does not give us a reason to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, it should be a clear road to Christ. If there is a second death, there has to be that 
first step. Now, let's look into it a little bit. When does this first death take place? It takes place in the person called Adam. For death came by one man, the Lord Jesus, by Adam. I'm sorry. That death came by one man, Adam. Life comes by one man, the man Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn to Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. <clears throat> 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. And we want to see this power. And I want to remind you again, Satan is limited with his power. So in 2, 14 and 15, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their Humanity. Who is that? Jesus Christ. God came down and robed himself in the flesh of humanity. So that by his death he might destroy. Now listen to what he's doing. That by his death he might destroy him who holds power. Of death. Now, if Satan was all powerful, God could not have brought life to us because it would have been blocked by Satan, by the devil. But Satan is not all powerful, he's limited. And for those who are already dead because they knew not the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the work of Satan. The work of Satan. In this thing called life. That men were already considered dead. And not alive. Now I want to bring in another word if I may. That death is only a separation from God. The physical death. Spiritual death is a separation from God for the unbeliever. For the believer, there's never a separation. But for the unbeliever, death is a separation from God. What we read about in Revelations in 20. And it says, in that era, the lake of fire is the second death, will be the final time in which the unbeliever, in a sense, will ever be in the presence of the living God. And their wish is granted, in a sense, a separation from God. A total separation from God. And the place where they are placed for the separation in the Bible is called hell. And those who believe are in heaven where God is. One is separated 
the other one is joined to the God in whom they believe in. And those who have rejected him are separated from him. But back to that Hebrews chapter 14 where it says that he might destroy him who holds the power of death. Satan holds the power of death. But he cannot stop life coming into that person who is dead in a sense to God. Stay with me. Holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. He makes it very clear. The angels are not human. Abraham is human. He's helping that human aspect of his creation to come alive because they are dead and Satan holds that power over them that they are dead and separated from the living God. He says again for surely it is the it is not angels he helps but Abraham's descendants and he frees us all who have been held as slavery in this area of death. Now, Satan is powerful, but not all powerful. But how is it that Satan keeps us sometimes from things that God would have? Well, we're going to look at that in a moment. But I want to give you a couple more verses here, if I may, over this one area. Go to 1 Corinthians 15.50 because it says the same thing in one way that we need to recognize that Satan, he has that power of death. So in verse 50, he starts off and he simply says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The dead, that's the physical, not the spiritual. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up, and victory, the victory at Calvary, the victory for Jesus died, but on the third day he arose from the grave. Death could not hold him as he held man for so long in that fear of death. We're getting back to when did it first happen. Stay with us. 
Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now look what he said in that verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Now, go over to Second Timothy just for a moment. And then we're going to answer, how, is, how does Satan do some of this? How, how does Satan respond with this here? How does he hold us back? How he keeps us from coming alive in Jesus Christ? How does he keep us from this living truth? Satan does. And we want to look at a couple of verses to understand how he does it. But in Second Timothy 1 and 9 and 10, look what he says. He says, Who has saved us and called us to a holy life? Not because of anything we have done. Not because of anything we've done. But because of his own purpose and grace. God's purpose for our life. His grace is favor upon us. Not that we deserve any of it. But he calls us out of this death into life with him. Remember Jesus said he was life. He was truth and life. And he is the way. And he goes on and he says here, not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed what? Death. He destroyed death that we might have life. Jesus destroyed death that we might have life and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought life and immortality to light. How? Through the gospel. What is the thing that Satan wants to keep you from hearing? The word of God, the gospel. For faith cometh by what? By hearing. And we need to remember that. That faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? The gospel. The word of God. That's one way. Now, go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at just the ways in which Satan himself then keeps us or tries to hold those in death and keep them from experiencing life in Jesus Christ. One, he says in 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he said, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He did what? Blinded the minds of the unbeliever. That they would not be able to see what Christ is able to do on their behalf, or has done on their behalf. He blinds us. He blinds the unbeliever. 
And as Christians, we need to understand sometimes the unbeliever is not seen. And he has fallen into a ditch. He has fallen in life. Why? He can't see what he's tripping over. He can't see the direction that he needs to take. He can't see what way to really go. Why? He's blinded. Without God's word, he's blinded and cannot see. And Satan keeps him from hearing the word, the gospel. Because life and faith comes through the word of God. Now, let's go to another verse real quick. Uh, one is simply boy. Four, four, he blinds us. Second one is Romans ten seventeen. He keeps us from hearing the gospel, from hearing the word of God. And then the third way, over to Matthew 13. Because even though sometimes we hear it, um, Satan will come along, especially when we're young in the faith. And we're trying to get an understanding of it. Satan will come along and he'll rob it. Go to 13 and come down to verse 13. This is why I say, speak to them in parables. Through seeing, they do not see. Through hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever you will be ever hearing but never understanding you will be ever seeing but never perceiving now catch why for this people's hearts have become callous the things that you experienced in life can cause you to have a callous heart it can harden your heart that you're not sensitive towards the things of God. That you do everything you can do emotionally to keep yourself from getting involved in the things of God. The heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts. There's the emotional part. Understand with the heart what God has done. And turn, and I would heal them. What God would do. Now, uh, if you would, would you just come on up a little bit further? I want you to come up to verse 19. He says, well, let's pick up in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. They don't have the time to what? To think it through. They don't have time to let it settle in. Why? Satan comes very quickly and he removes even the thinking or the thoughts of it. 
He removes that from you. He gets you so busy into something else that you have forgot what you've even heard just a moment ago. He keeps you from really wrestling with what you just heard. And he says, boy, Satan, the evil one, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown among the path. And Satan comes and he quickly snatches it away. Why? Satan wants to keep you in that deathly area separated from God. And he does that over and over to many a people. They will hear. They don't really have understanding. And Satan snatches the word away from them. You wonder why sometimes people will go through a little bit, they'll be at church for a little bit, they'll hear a little bit, then all of a sudden they're gone again. Satan have come and snatched the little bit that was there. He keeps people from constantly hearing the word of God. And you want to hear the word of God over and over and over and over again and again and again. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith is built by hearing the word of God. Faith continues to grow by hearing the word of God. Faith begins to practice and exercise itself by hearing the word of God. Faith always has to be connected to the word of God. It cannot stand separate from the word of God. It needs the word of God to birth it, but it also needs the word of God to sustain it and keep it growing. And Satan wants to snatch that word away, separate, separate people from hearing the word, that they cannot sustain their faith, keep their faith, and their faith cannot grow without hearing the word of God. And that's how Satan then keeps us in this area of death from which we have been since birth. Now, understand this. We need to know that without Jesus, we are already dead. And that's the biggest lie that Satan has told us. That we think we are alive without Christ. And the reality is, we are in the first death that man ever experienced when he was removed from the garden. Adam did not die physically, he died spiritually. And man is dead spiritually without Jesus Christ. And only with Jesus Christ does man have life spiritual life that reconnects him with his creator with the one who wants to give him life 
God himself. But no man cometh to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And Satan is the one who keeps us away from Christ because he knows Christ desires to give us life, a spiritual life. But he'd rather keep us over here dead, separated from God. So Adam, he died. Adam died. When he was put out of the garden, there was a change that took place. I can't really tell you what that change was. But I do know that God said that he would make his living from that point on by the sweat of his bra. Something changed. Adam basically did not eat meat in the garden. Afterwards, man began to eat meat. And that whole thing changed. And we need to recognize that. That there was a change that took place when Adam left out of the garden. And God said, the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Now, the death of Adam is what allows us to be in that first death. Not the second, but the first. Yet the second is coming. And we do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ in this time called life. The first death is the actual death of the body. For many of us, we see that as the first death is when this body dies, then that's what a lot of us call the first death. But the first death really is the state in which we're living because Adam died and we are the seed of Adam. The first death is that actual death in which the natural results of the fall gave us all death through Adam and we experience what Adam experienced even though we are born by the woman we are separated from God and that spiritual life until we accept the Lord Jesus Christ now living in this body there is that area of a spiritual death which is the normal state in which people live. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what he says about this state. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In your transgressions and your sin. He, he considers you already what? Dead. So how do you become alive? Through Jesus Christ. And he said you were already dead. But you are made alive. Through Jesus Christ. Remember what he said. In 14.6. I am life. I am life. I am life. Now. I want you to just stay with me for a few minutes. More and we'll be done here. Go to 2 Corinthians 3.6. 2 Corinthians 3.6 because 
we need to see something else that is said here about this life. <clears throat> he simply says, boy, he has made us com competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Now, now catch what's going to be said here. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit gives life. We're none of his unless we have his spirit. Why? His spirit gives what? Life. We are dead without Jesus Christ, who gives us the gift of his spirit, who gives us life. And we need to understand that. And oftentimes we miss it. Now, why don't you go on over with me to John 3.15. John 3.15. <clears throat> And uh, listen to what he says here in 3.15. That everyone who believes in him may have, now guess what he's going to say, eternal life. If you already have life, you don't need life, but he's talking about a spiritual life. A life with God. And he says, if you believe in him, in Jesus, you may have eternal life. You're dead without Jesus. That's the first death. And that's the first death that the Christian really experiences of dying to self and recognizing he is dead without Jesus Christ. And when he accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, he's born for the second time. But when you get back here in Revelation 20 and you are an unbeliever, you are already dead. You died dead. You're going to come forth in a resurrection. Yes, you will. And you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and you're going to have to give a reason why you didn't believe, why you didn't accept the life that he was willing to give you. But you're going to be removed into your second death. Your final separation from him. Boy, there's much in this. Boy, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Catch what he says here in 22. He simply says, For as in Adam all die. There's the first death. For as in Adam all die. First death. So in Christ all will be made alive. So in Christ all shall be made alive. If you do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will experience the second death. The Christian experiences second death when he recognizes he is dead and he accepts the Lord Jesus Christ. Now catch this. And he dies to himself. 
when Paul says, it is not I that live it. Paul said, I'm dead. And it is Christ that liveth in me. The Christian dies to himself. Just like Christ died on that cross, gave up his life freely. We have to be willing to give up our lives freely for Jesus Christ. He won't force us. You have to be willing to die in order to live. You're already dead in your trespasses and sins. And Jesus makes it possible for you to really have life. Not just a temporary life, but eternal life with the living God. Now, one more verse and we're done. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Romans chapter 6. And I think he helps here, puts it all in a nutshell for us. And remember from 14, he says, the lake of fire is the second death. The first death is in Adam. We all died. It's in Christ we're all made alive. Who believe. The believer then has the second birth. Not to die anymore. The unbeliever doesn't have a second birth. He only has the first birth. So he's still in the first death. He will experience the second death at the white throne judgment when he is again thrown into the lake of fire. But catch what Romans 6, 1 through 4 says, and we're done. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, Paul says. We died to sin. We died. We died to everything that was against the Lord Jesus Christ. We died. We died to self. And he says, by no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Knowing what you know through the word of God, how can you live this way any longer? Now, understand, you're not going to be perfect overnight. But there's going to be some radical changes in your life. And then there's going to be that struggling with sin for the rest of your life until you see Jesus Christ face to face. That's why the promise is, he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ, until you see Christ. And when you see Christ, then you will become like Christ. And that's our destination, to become like the Son of God. And he goes on, he says, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, that we were put into Christ? That's what baptism means, to be put into something, to be immersed into something. We've been immersed into Christ. When you believe you were placed in Christ, you were immersed into Christ. 
and he goes on, he's baptized into Christ, Jesus. We're baptized into his death. What he experienced on the cross, in a sense, we experience in dying to ourselves that he might live through us. And he goes on, he said, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, how? In a new life. And once we begin that new life, we never look towards death again. When we die to ourselves in Jesus Christ, we do not look towards that second death at the white throne judgment where he says that they would experience the second death. We experienced that second death when we came to a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as willing to die to self and experience that death at that point of ourself and say even as Paul said no longer is it I that liveth but it is Christ that liveth in me see the believer yes he experiences two deaths but he also experiences two births. The unbeliever experiences two deaths, but he only experiences one birth. And I want to encourage you to experience the second birth in Jesus Christ. That you will not have to experience that final separation that second death in Revelations 20 I hope that you will accept his word because what he says there is so true in 2014 the lake of fire is the second death and if you're an unbeliever Without Christ, you're going to experience this second death. When you can experience a second death way before this ever takes place by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, dying to yourself, and receiving eternal life in Christ. I hope I was able to clarify what it means by this second death. And when the first death has taken place, back with Adam, and we all experienced that, because in Adam all died, but in Christ Jesus all was made alive. I hope that we can see that in Scripture. And I pray that you would pray the prayer of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and die to yourself now rather than later. Father, we thank you for your word. Would you continue to minister to us? Would you continue to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to receive your word by faith? 
and them though it grow by faith, by hearing your word. Minister to us all, believer and unbeliever. We both need to hear from you. We both need to grow in you. For the one who is saved, there is the starting point in Jesus Christ in which he one day took. May he continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for that one who is an unbeliever, may this be the starting point today. May Jesus Christ come into their life. May they confess the Lord Jesus Christ. May they receive him as Lord of their life and die to self and experience eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're going to do in convicting each of us. And thank you for Jesus Christ that makes it all possible. Thank you, Lord. Amen. May you have a wonderful week, a blessed week. May you be kept by the God who is able to do so. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever think. And he's able to do the impossible. And what's the impossible? He saved me. He can save you. Man can't do that. God bless you. And may you continue to grow in the Lord. Thank you much for your time. God bless. Bye-bye.